Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. Yeah. Dude, we're getting down to it. Trade deadline next week. That's right, dude. A lot of action left to happen. Some of the names coming off the board, still on the board, and on the shelf right now, Timo Meyer mm-hmm. out uh, for a second game in a row with a undisclosed upper body injury. Um could it just be hurt feelings, dude? Is that what's injured right now? Hurt feelings? That's or certainly is it a actual physical injury. That's certainly the question that immediately comes to mind. I think didn't we see it recently in the NBA? Not that I'm some NBA insider, but wasn't there a, a case in the NBA where someone was going to be traded and they were sat for a few sure. games? Well, we've seen it in the NHL even as recently. Has, well, there's been quite a bit of of drama between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Boston Bruins over uh, a trade over the Blue Jackets defenseman Gavrikov, who apparently they thought they had a deal in place. They scratched Gavrikov, and then the Bruins turned around and traded for Orloff, a different off, uh, and Hathaway from the Capitals. Um, And we saw it earlier, too, with the the Coyotes scratched Jacob Chikrin, uh, Mm -hmm. because I think they were... Supposing they were moving closer to a deal, uh, and that never happened. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like Meyer actually did hurt himself. Um, hopefully, it isn't anything major that would throw off a potential uh, franchise-shifting deal here for the Sharks as they look to uh, kind of reload and restock. But um, even if he is healthy... I wonder if he even have we seen Timo Meyer for the last time in a Sharks uniform? That's I mean, a really maybe good question. That's the question. I didn't even right? think about it that way, but I think the answer is yes. And I was also going to say the other reason it's even if Meyer's hurt, it's not as bad as it could be because he still does is still a restricted free agent and a qualifying offer could happen. So whichever team trades for him will have him next year for sure if they want him. So if this was a six-week rental, this could completely tank Timo Meyer's trade value if you're unsure if he's going to be able to perform for you in the playoffs. But now that he's, even if it's only a, a, a small injury and not a major one, that's probably not going to affect his trade value too much because he can be on that team for an extended period of time. I'm concerned that teams are going to say, we want to see him play. Like we, I, I want to see him out there before I give you the asset package that you're asking for, right? right Which, right. you know, continues to be all over the map, dude. We've uh, read an article earlier this week in The Athletic that made the Sharks' return seem pretty dismal. It was pretty depressing, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I read a different article that seemed like the Sharks may still be able to get a A prospect, a B prospect, and a first-round pick. You know, uh, the thing that seems to have thrown things off a little bit here is that supposedly the St. Louis Blues are entering the competition here that seemed to be a bit of a two-team race, really, between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Devils to maybe get Timo Meyer to restock their own uh, cupboard 
by adding another mid-20s uh, star player to their roster now that they have acquired three first-round picks for next year. So uh, would the Sharks consider two first-round picks from the Blues, including, you mean, what you got to assume is the Blues' most valuable first-round pick is their own, right? <laughs> That's true. So if you're the Sharks in that deal, then you don't even want to have this conversation unless you know, the Blues first round pick is what is being offered because, you know, you want to have another pick in that top 10. I mean, could the Sharks walk away with this with two top 10 picks? You would assume the Blues aren't going to give the Sharks another Connor Bedard lottery ticket, right? Mm, yeah, that would that would surprise me. What? I just had a gut reaction. I wonder what yours is. Would you prefer a top 10 pick and a chance at the Bedard sweepstakes or a player like we've been talking about from the Devils who is essentially what we would consider as close to an NHL lock as you can as you can get? Which would you prefer? And I don't necessarily mean an NHL lock all-star. I mean, a guy that we, we're almost certain is going to be an NHL regular player. Don't know where exactly. Right. I guess this, I don't mean to pass on this, but it maybe opens just a different question is what do we think the Sharks timeline here is, right? Like, what's the timeline? Uh, do you want a player like Dalton Mercer, who we've been talking about, who is actively contributing right now at the NHL level that you're going to have to pay maybe sooner than later? Do you want a player like Alexander Holtz, who is a former first round pick who hasn't really gotten an opportunity to shine at the NHL level, but you still believe has NHL impact talent who's still on an entry-level deal that isn't likely going to command some sort of major salary anytime soon? Or do you want a player who is a top 10 pick that you're taking as an 18-year-old who has proven nothing at the professional level, but now you're sort of pushing him, you know, just slightly behind where maybe Eklund, Bortolo, um, Bystad, and others are, right? I, I, I guess I, I, if they're going to unprotect the pick, I want the pick. I want another shot at Bedard. See, I want the player. I want the player because, to be honest, my, my cynical mind says the Sharks have not had a wonderful track record at developing players. Admittedly, we have a brand new GM. We probably have a new direction for the franchise, but there's no track record to go on here. And the Sharks have not done fantastic at this in the past. There's, you know, the past is littered with first round picks that never made it to the NHL. We don't need to go over that list again. We've talked about it before, but I would much rather have a bird in the hand here, I think. And plus, I think it, it might burnish Greer's reputation as a GM if he can get a player that is good that we know is going to be pretty good right if he gets the number eight overall pick and then he drafts some guy who i don't know you know falls off the back of his pickup truck or something and he doesn't make it to the nhl he's like pulls a jeff kent and Not nice dude yeah and and all of a sudden you know there you know he becomes another entry in the list of sharks first round picks that don't make it like that seems like a much higher risk situation to me but you're right. The timeline does matter. Do we want a guy who is going to give you his peak years, which right now, according to the most research, is the years 
24, 25, 26. If we get those years from this player, whoever he is, in the next two or three years, is that too early? Right. I guess I'm also looking at it from... And this would fully qualify that the the pick would need to be unprotected, right? Which I think um, is unlikely. I just don't see the Blues giving away their chance to get Bedard, right? But if you had two shots at it, to, to get the next McDavid, the next Sidney Crosby... I think you got to try. And then the other thing, too, is let's say you don't get him, but you end up with the number five pick and the number eight. Can you turn that into the number two? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, apparently, you know, you know, the, the player that could be sitting there at number two, you know, is a Jack Eichel type game changer, game changer who would be number one any other year. Right. So do you have enough ammo at that point to maybe turn five and eight into two? You know, the Sharks um, need a franchise player. Yes. Right? Which in watching the clips of the um, of the Sharks like uh, Legends game last night. Yeah. And seeing Joe Thornton skate out on the ice, like it's hard not to get choked up a little bit because you you pine for that type of personality that type of player yeah that type yeah, of yeah yeah impact that uh he clearly has or even marlo in a different way you have this you know uh star this uh that you look at and you go that is the sharks right <clears throat> and i think the sharks are struggling to find that right now don't don't really have it that's right yeah so the team of meyer watch continues we don't know what's going to happen it seems like I think I read something that said because of all the Marlowe jersey raising and so forth, the Sharks might not be super interested in trading Meyer during this short period of time. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, if you can, the, the offer's still going to be there tomorrow, right? And the deadline's not, you know, today or whatever. Right. We still got a few days before the deadline. I think that makes sense. It would be unfortunately a bit of a, a PR miss in order, like right when Kent Huskins is on the breakaway <laughs> at the Legends game. Right. You're like, by the way, you know, yeah. as Marlo skates through the head, by the way, Timo Myers traded. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've just we've got it's we're six days away, right? So there's gonna be a lot of action here. I mean, dude, who else, you know, from the we're talking about Meyer, I think the more I think about it, dude. I think Eric Carlson is not going anywhere. I don't think this is a trade that can be done mid-season. I think if the Sharks do decide to move on from Eric Carlson, it is uh, far too complicated to pull off here uh, in the middle of the year, you know, because you're having to negotiate salary retention um, as part of this in a significant way, right? Like where you Mm -hmm. have... You know, the Sharks having to make a decision. Are, are we going to hold back 40%, 50%? Like, what does this mean for our future, you know, roster configuration? Having to make that call now, I think is challenging, dude. It's hard in the best of circumstances. And at least I have no idea how good or bad these rumors are in terms of accuracy. But at least the rumors I've heard is that percentage of salary tension is the big contentious point in a potential trade for Carlson, how teams of course would want 
maximum salary retention, which I believe under the CBA is 50%. And the Sharks were like 18%. So instead of Carlson being an $11.5 million player, he's a $9.5 million player or something along those lines, whereas teams want him at 6.5 or 6 or 5.5. And And, uh, I just don't, that's a really hard gap to close. (laughs) You know, finances are so tight, especially for the teams that would want Eric Carlson, which isn't a Columbus or an Anaheim, right? This is a, an Oilers team that wants to make a run at the Western Conference Championship, and they're going to be tight on finances as it is. So to my mind, I think you're right, probably because of that particular point. I don't think the Sharks are going to be willing to just res, you know, resume. We talked about last time how much that will last, how much money that is, how much dead money the Sharks already have. We don't need to go over that again, but... It's a significant amount for a significant period of time. Yeah, and I think that you know the idea of the Sharks taking back salary filler, I think is a very that that would be something that would have to happen here, right? I don't hate the idea of if if they do trade Carlson to the Oilers and we're able to extract you know maximum value from them in terms of prospect and picks that makes sense for a potential Norris Trophy winner that you have to take Tyson Berry back in that deal. Uh, Tyson Berry's a very good NHL defenseman who is signed for one more year. And next year at the deadline, you could flip him for additional assets and he could play. He could play for you now. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So in a way, while you're facilitating this trade by taking four, $5 million off the Oilers books, like you're also giving yourself a, a future asset that you can turn into, you know, you could turn him into a first round pick probably again. Right. Mm-hmm. So in a way you're getting another first by taking on Barry's contract. So I, I don't, I know the Oilers probably wouldn't be super keen to lose another like impact roster player, but if you're just replacing one with the other, I mean, Carlson's clearly better. <laughs> yeah. So Carlson's better than any other defenseman right. in the league right now. It's just an interesting thing to watch. Um, you know, but I, I just, I don't, I don't think this is a panic situation for the Sharks where I think they, I would suspect they'll make this move if it's fully on their terms. Yeah. Fully like, um, and they're not going to just do it because they felt like they, this isn't the Brent Burns situation where they were just doing him a solid by, you know, moving him, moving him to a team that could win, win it all. Right. I don't think that they're going to do the same right now for, Eric Carlson. Well, dude, the Sharks are continuing their uh, trajectory in terms of wins and losses, so that's enough of that. What else happened this week in terms of the Sharks? Dude, I had the opportunity, excuse me, to go to uh, the Sharks Foundation uh, fundraiser. It was uh, called... <laughs> uh, sampling? S- sampling with the Sharks. I wanted to call it Sipping with the Sharks, but that's <laughs> a terrible name. and um, It's really good that they called it Sampling with the Sharks. You'd... Uh, uh, I have no idea how much these tickets cost. I was given them uh, by a uh, a friend and I'm incredibly grateful, uh, sad that they were unable to go, uh, thrilled that they thought of me, dude. Uh, I invited you to come with me. Unfortunately, you were unavailable, which, yes. uh, which, uh, which I will regret forever, <laughs> forever. But I was able to take someone else who fully uh, appreciated the experience and opportunity of going it was at the new barracuda arena which i'd never been to and went in really nice i mean really Mm -hmm. super nice uh, arena they had uh 
flooring down on the ice. So the event was happening actually on the ice rink, right? Um, they had great food, uh, food stations, uh, different wineries represented. They give you a wine glass as you go in. You kind of go walk around. You're literally sampling all this food and drink, and the Sharks players are there. They're there with their... Uh, wives, girlfriends, the Sharks coaching staff, Mike Greer, uh, Sharks broadcasters, they're all there uh, sort of mingling around the floor, dude, which was super cool and also a little awkward. All admit, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, like you walk in, you're like, what? how am I going to navigate this socially as a 47-year-old man, right? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> And it, and it wasn't super helpful that I had another, like, 47-year-old man there with me. Right, right. right. You know, two dudes, you know, yeah, walking around, yeah. you know, grinning in their Sharks fandom, right? Right. Um, and we weren't alone. I mean, there was a guy there in a full, like, San Jose Sharks, like, custom-made suit with, like, the logo on it. Wow. Um, who looked like uh, you know, he had this really uh, uh, awesome long white beard you know yeah. sort of looked like uh, a character as if santa claus had you know done atkins and then uh <laughs> you know uh was wearing this uh shark suit anyways <laughs> we didn't go quite that far right you were dressed nice you sent yeah, me you some had, photos there was a dress code dude you had to uh wear a shirt and tie and jacket i like it uh, everybody i like it was dressed up uh they had a live auction silent auction and you're sort of left to navigate uh you can't ask them to sign anything but they would take uh take photos with you if you asked and it it took me a few uh a few samples to uh work up the courage <laughs> but uh i did uh finally uh approach mike greer uh and chatted with him a little bit got got a picture with him he was super nice uh asked him what it was like to be back in the b area and uh, i got a very uh uh, boilerplate polished. Uh, uh, polished response. I didn't ask him about how many picks he might get for Nick Bonino or something <laughs> like that. But, you know, he gave me a very, uh, a response that I think probably a lot of other people had gotten. It was almost like you had pressed a button and Mike gave you this response. You, you pulled the string. Right. Yeah. Uh, which I totally understand. Yes. And I'm sure yes. That, yes. that he got, a, and he was so cool. My email address used to have his name in it. Yeah. I told him that. And he did not look at me like I was some sort of mental patient. He laughed. Um, So I told him he was my favorite player when he was on the team. And he took a photo with us. It was was super generous with his time. You know, and he was like that all night. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. he definitely was approachable. You could definitely tell, dude, that like um, there were some Sharks alumni and current players who were more comfortable with the situation than than others and i'm certainly not calling anybody out like no no i think uh, i mean dude i mean you're for those who don't know listen to the podcast doug is a performer and has been in that situation before where doug's in a show and customary sometimes for the cast members to come out into the theater area where people are leaving the theater and then people come up to you and they just start talking to you like just total strangers right doug still has his rouge on (laughs) my rouge (laughs) My my pancake base. That's right. Yeah, and I'm, and it's just it's just a weird social situation to be in because I mean, who among us are in a public place and strangers just walk up to you and they shake your hand and they want to just start up a conversation? Right, right. Yeah, it is. Um, I definitely recognize that for the sharks players that that it was um, 
for some of them, probably awkward, right? So I would say that definitely there were kind of pockets of players that were hanging out together with their wives, girlfriends, whoever they had with them. And it was definitely challenging to try to people were doing it yes. and I give them credit. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and you would kind of get up and get like a group photo with the, with these guys. Right. But I felt like they weren't as necessarily accessible, accessible to having that kind of interaction. Whereas like, for example, you could easily, if you wanted to, and not easily, they were busy. Mark Edward Vlasic, he was definitely like new as one of the longtime players. Had a, there were a lot of people who wanted to talk to him. Right. And he was fully available. Like, I mean, you could have, and was it sometimes, and this was definitely like, and I did get to meet Eric Carlson, which I'll talk about in a second. It was like waiting in line for a character meet and greet at Disneyland. <laughs> it was weird. You know what I mean? And you felt weird that you're like, Kara, I'm I'm waiting to meet another adult man. Yeah. Like, you know, take your picture. Yeah. Right. Um, and at you know, I, I just I we did it a couple of times. We definitely stalked Dan Boyle yeah. until we were able to talk to him. How could you not stalk Dude, Dan Boyle? And Dan Boyle was he was one of the most popular people that night, probably the most popular person who we were not able to talk to because we just couldn't get to him was Drew Remenda. Right. Everybody Drew Remenda, number Drew. one. Drew was number one. Like, I mean, everybody wanted to talk to Drew and he had time for everybody. Like, he's taking pictures. So great. He, and it wasn't like these short conversations. Like, he was like having full conversations with people, telling stories, joking. People were always laughing around him. We were like desperately trying to get yeah. in the Drew Remenda circle. The sphere, yeah. yeah, of Drew yeah. Remenda. And we couldn't quite do it. Um, but he was fully present like the whole time. It so was great. Really cool. Um, and. Uh, but so was Dan Boyle. We finally were able to go and talk to him, dude. And you know, uh, when when I walked when I walked up to him, I started to talk to him, and, he, and this is what he said to me: "He goes, how do I know you?" This is what he said, right? And those of you who are longtime listeners know that we've met Dan Boyle. We met him uh, several years ago after a game through um, a listener named Matt, who is friends with Dan Boyle, right? Uh, so uh, we, I told him the story. He. You know, we got to meet you after the game. We got to go down outside the dressing room and Dan spent like, I don't know, dude, we were there for at least a half hour, like mm-hmm. talking to him after the game about yep. the game, just about whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh yeah. Like podcast guys. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. podcast guys. Um, He's like, I still have your t-shirt. It's like, what? <laughs> he has a dudes <laughs> on hockey t-shirt that we have a photo of him wearing. Right. right. Yeah. And uh, he's like, yeah, I still wear it. Number two, right? <laughs> it's number two, which is completely true. It says right? two on the back and yeah. it says dude where the name is. Yeah, I'm, we're looking up at the photo. We're of looking Dan, up at the photo right now. Right. We in uh, in the podcast studio here, we have a picture. We we have three pictures of Dan. Yes, we do. Uh, um, as, you know, unabashedly our favorite shark, right? Ever. And uh, he, he he takes out his phone and he goes, oh, let's take a picture. Got to send it to my friend, right? <laughs> So he's, he wants to take a picture with me, first right. of all, which I think is hilarious. He sends it off to his friend. So, you know, he tries to FaceTime him. <laughs> doesn't answer. He goes, oh, well, if, if this guy calls me back, like, I'm going to come find you. It's like, okay, <laughs> of course, right. man. We talked about a bunch of stuff, just about what he's up to. You know, um, started talking about whether he wanted to work in hockey at some point. It's great you that know? he's still in the area. Yeah, it was cool. Like, and, you know, he was exactly what we remembered, you know, just mm-hmm. meeting him after the game. 
It's just a dude. Just cool. He's just a cool dude. Super competitive dude, right? He's a hockey... He's an NHL player. Like, right. these guys are on a different level yeah. of competition, yeah. I think, than we realize. And it was it was, it was was fun to talk to him. Um, and, you know, I felt like, you know, it's just one of those things that was... Like, if we... If I ran into him randomly in downtown Campbell, right. like, he would stop and talk to me. Right. right? Which I... And I think he would stop and talk to anybody, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, he's just that kind of guy. So, very cool. We had a very similar interaction with Scott Hannon, which, uh, nice. you know, I don't know uh, Scott Hannon at all, but he was uh, totally had time for us and uh, took photos. But then we got in line to meet Eric Carlson. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, you had to meet Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and it was <laughs> he cool was the, yeah. because he was in the same spot. Like, it seemed like he kind of stayed in the corner and you knew where he was, and I think he knew this was what he needed to do, right? Right. Like was to, uh, and but he wasn't. It was when we got to talk to him, full eye contact, full handshake. How you doing? Did you have fun tonight? Talked about you know uh, the silent auction item that I ended up getting, which I got you know the co-host for the day for my daughter, who's going to get to do the in-game you know, co-hosting with the in-game host. And, you know, we were talking about that. And, um, you know, he's he said his wife yelled something at him from across the way. And he yelled something back at her. And he goes, oh, my wife is hot, huh, guys? Yeah. And we're like, yeah, you know, she, she is, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, I did way too good for myself, you know. Yeah. And then we're just la- laughing. He's slapping us on the back and stuff. And you're like, this is a Norse Trophy winner, right. like, you know, gonna maybe Hall win it a game Hall of Famer just yeah. like hanging while there's other people in line behind us, yeah, right? Yeah, it yeah. wasn't rushed, took pictures. It was really cool. Like super I felt, classy. Uh, yeah. I felt like he actually and it was genuine. I think he genuinely enjoyed the moment of like being there. And as I walked away, I instantly felt guilt <laughs> about how I feel about the Eric Carlson era and yes. how I associate him with the downturn of the franchise because, you know, whether I don't know that my positive interaction changes maybe the facts of this, but I but it did make me truly appreciate him as a person. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And being at this event, dude, it kind of reinvigorated my fandom. I got to be honest, right? Like, yeah. I just was like super pumped to watch them get totally pumped by the Predators. <laughs> 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 uh, but I mean, dude, it was fun. Like, I mean, we had a good time. I'm glad we went. Sorry you missed it. And uh, we'll try to go next year, I think, dude. This sounded like totally worth it. Because I admit, when I. My my mental picture of this kind of event, which I've seen before, I've been to like music related shows, and a lot of times they're, it's like someone's behind a table. There's a line of people, and they like hand you a autographed picture, and you can like take the picture, and then you sort of move on. Like I'm not particularly interested in that kind of event. Like that doesn't really do it for me. But like wandering around, maybe having a spontaneous conversation with somebody, you run into somebody, you see Dan Boyle, get to talk to him or something like that. That sounds like a totally different thing. It sounds totally worthwhile. And you know, you can't, you're not going to be able to pump Mike Greer for information about trades. And I and I hope people were cognizant of that because. And, you know, like you said, I think Timo Meyer wasn't there. Yeah. Can it, you imagine how annoying 
and irritating it would be to be Timo Meyer there and every person asks you, where are you going to get traded? Are you going to get traded? Like, I'm sure some people will have the social awareness not to do that, but I'm sure if you paid hundreds of dollars or I don't know how much the tickets cost, but you're there and you get to meet your hero and you want to know what's going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen. We're just going to get asked that question dozens of times. I mean, that would just, that would be annoying. Yeah. Uh, both Meyer and Tomas Hurdle were not there. I, I, I don't know. Hurdle missed, uh, has missed the last game or two as well. And I honestly, dude, I, I don't I, know. I think he just had another kid, right? Oh, well, that's well, uh, maybe. Well, you know, dude, I know who did just have a kid is Kevin LeBanc. And he was there. And, I, dude, I want to say this too, all right? We've talked a lot this year about how Kevin LeBanc is definitely... That's what I should have asked Quinn about. You know, I mean, I didn't get to talk to Quinn, but I should have gone up and, and asked. Would him he have that. answered that? Yeah, no, I should have been like, "Why are you being?" I should have brought Kevin with me. Like, "Why are you being so, so hard on this? Why are you being so mean?" Anyways, look at his look but, at his Corsi. <laughs> but I, I think LeBanc just had a kid because he was. We didn't get to talk to him, but we were we were standing over by a group of people who were talking to him, and they were having this very lively, like spirited conversation about like, like diapers and like <laughs> kids and like he's like i just i you know i'm not sure what to do like i mean like yeah. you know I mean, it was new funny. dad new yeah, dad i mean they were it was just a real conversation right um he seemed super cool too we didn't get to talk to him but i appreciated that you know that was seemed to be what the interaction was like with him you know like when people were talking to him about perhaps the expansion of his family. So, uh, dude, I would encourage fans to go. Like, I think it was a great event. You're, you're supporting a, a great foundation in the Sharks foundation in the process. And yeah, dude, I mean, we'll, we'll check it out. Maybe, maybe we'll uh, pony up ourselves. I was grateful to be given the tickets, but I, I would go back. Yeah. I would go back for sure. And it's good to get that wake up call that like, it's not just like stats and Corsi four percentages. Yeah. It's like these are real people with families and personalities and all that kind yeah. of stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like it, it did uh, uh, reset that for me yeah. a little bit. No question. EK65, we got you. Yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> all right, dude. Well, I mean, the clock is ticking to the trade deadline. We're going to see what happens. Jacob Chikrin is probably the, the second biggest name to Timo Meyer on the board right now. Do you have any feelings about where Chikrin might go? Uh, dude, you know, it, it, it would make sense to me that Edmonton might pivot to him. You know, it seems like, uh, that may be a natural fit. I mean, if, if you're the Oilers right now and you look at the landscape in the Western conference, I don't know why they wouldn't just push all the chips in and try and go for it because the conference is, uh, fragile. You know, I think that, they have the talent to rise above if they're able to address, you know, some of their issues. If they can somehow get Patrick Kane and Jacob Chikrin, you know, and just say, we're going for it, right? We're going for it. We're, we're going to go for it right now. Vegas is down, you know, um, Colorado has had a really weird year. Uh, Calgary has not been able to put it together. I don't believe in the Kings, you know, I don't believe in the Kraken. You know, you have uh, Minnesota is not really lived up to expectations. Um, maybe there's an opportunity here for us to get to the finals and maybe face a very wounded Eastern Conference team right. that's going to have to have gone through the gauntlet. Yes. Right? Going to have to have gone through Boston, Toronto, 
Carolina, the Lightning, sure. the Panthers, right. you know? So if I'm Edmonton, I would really seriously consider that, which is probably why I would I would guess maybe Chikrin goes there. You know, that that would yeah. be my guess. Dude, what do you think? Makes sense to me. I mean, that that's the biggest piece for Phoenix. Phoenix continues to really struggle and not as much as the Ducks. Man, the Ducks are bad. Yeah. Woo. They're they're definitely in the Bedard sweepstakes for sure. Yeah. And, you know, you just hope that if the Sharks don't get Bedard, the Bedard doesn't end up in the Western Conference. Yes, I, mean, that's, that's I would prefer that. Dude, uh, you know, tonight is the Patrick Marlowe uh, night, dude. Patrick Marlowe, the all-time NHL games played leader, having his number retired uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Dude, um, who's going to be the next Shark to have their number retired? Jumbo? Gotta be, right? It's gotta be Jumbo. Well, until Jumbo officially retires. Right. She hasn't done that yet. Do you think that Jumbo has held off on doing his retirement out of respect for Patrick Marlowe somehow? Maybe, although he could have retired six months ago and it wouldn't have really affected anything. Although you're right, maybe the timing of like, when do you honor this person versus that person? It's possible. He played in the Legends game. Jumbo did, right? He did, yeah. And uh, a friend of mine, she was there. She sent me some photos of... There was a great picture. Jumbo sitting on the bench next to Patrick Marlowe's sons. Yeah. And that was just a really neat moment. There you see three Marlowe's in a row because Marlowe has four sons. And that's just a really cool thing. That's why. The um, Jumbo, I saw a video of him scoring the first goal. And he skated all the way down to the other end of the ice and basically tackled Nabokov. <laughs> He was like celebrating like he won the cup. Did you see the callback that Jumbo made? Uh, I think he was talking to press even before or something like that. And he's like, well, uh, you know, they're like, well, how many goals do you think you're going to score? He's like, I don't know. But if if four goals happens, something's going to (laughs) happen. Call like all the way back to that night where Tomas Hurdle scored a hat trick against um, against the Rangers. Anyway, that was a great callback, I thought, by Jumbo. Um the Owen Nolan calling his shot yeah. on the Bokov yeah. and scoring. Yeah. Yeah. There was there there were some fun moments, dude. It would have been a a fun event. I I looked far too late in the process to try and get tickets for that. Yeah. It was completely We'll go to out. that next time too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it wouldn't be surprising if Jumbo retires officially and they do this again mm-hmm. next year. Right? right. You know, um that wouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, next week's going to be very interesting on the trade front. Very interesting for the Sharks. We'll see if we ever see Timo Meyer skate again wearing the teal jersey. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. He'll but, totally play tonight now that we've talked about it. But, probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, the players to watch, dude, I think it's Timo Meyer. I think it's uh, Nick Bonino. I think it's James Reimer. Um, you know, dude, I, I want to throw this out there, too, just before we end that, you know, there's been some... Uh, some talk that maybe the the sharks may be in acquisition mode also, and I kind of like it when, you know, uh, the sharks have done this in the past where they're selling off, but maybe they're looking to also add on a player, and the the player that's been referenced is Nashville Predators defenseman Dante Fabro, who played for Quinn at Boston University, who's at the end of his contract with the Predators. Doesn't seem like he has a future there. Maybe he has a future here. I mean, this is a 24, 25-year-old defenseman who has a lot of NHL experience that maybe the Sharks want to get a, a four, six-week 
free look at. Yeah. That you don't have to give up. If you're getting like a fifth rounder for Nick Bonino and then you just turn around and flip it for Fabro, right? That makes sense to me, right? I hope the Sharks do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there certainly is a lack of, you know, players in that age group that mm-hmm. like 24 to 26 year old age group that could maybe be um, impactful for the team while they go through this process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, dude. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. And David Quinn obviously has some previous information on this player. Yeah, for sure, dude. I'm on a th- one more thing. I know we're right up against it, dude, but one thing I want to throw out there that I thought about with this New Jersey Devils trade, dude. Um, what do you think about if the Sharks took back, if James Reimer was included in this trade and the Sharks took back Mackenzie Blackwood, who has fallen out of the starting role um, in in Jersey? Now, I'm actually, as I'm saying this, I'm looking this up. I don't know if that helps the Devils absorb... Um, the contract or not, but just on the surface, are you of any interest in taking a look at this player? Well, if there's one thing that I think we can say about this season is that no one has seized the starting goaltender role for the Sharks, right? James Reimer is certainly getting up there in age. He was very useful last year, seems a little less so this year. Kapo Kakinen definitely has not seized the reins of that job yet. Um, so yes, I would be interested for sure. If we can find another player, maybe that can find a new beginning in San Jose in goal, I would welcome that. Yeah, I'm looking at the money here and um I mean the 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 Devils would save about half a million dollars on the cap by flipping Blackwood and Reimer, which might help them, you know, in absorbing more of Meyer's contract. Reimer is a UFA. Um Blackwood is an RFA. Um and if they have no intention of qualifying him or signing him right? because he's, you know, they, they're clearly going with the other goalie and they've got a young goalie that's ready to rise. I'm just, I'm putting that out there. Maybe it's not too far fetched for the sharks to try and include Reimer in this trade with Timo Meyer to get Blackwood back to see what they've got. Another, he's 26, 27 years old, has a lot of NHL experience. Kakanen's been better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But still, you don't still. feel a lot of confidence in it. No. And no. maybe you're just taking a look. Good food. Happens. Good food for thought, dude. Thanks Let's for that. See what happens? All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will see what happens in the next week, and I'm sure we will be recording again once the deadline has passed. And That's we right. will. One of our favorite shows of the year always is after the trade deadline happens. That's right, dude. All right, we'll see you then. Go Sharks. Bye. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.